0: Hey what's up everybody welcome back or welcome to another episode of Warden's Wisdom. I'm your host Jimmy Warden. On today's episode I'm going to share with you five life lessons that I've learned through reading and reflecting. So if you're curious about five things that I've learned through that process well stay tuned. There will be a quick word from our sponsors and then you will get to enjoy an ad free podcast experience. So I just want to give a quick shout out to Anchor. Now if you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcasts on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And the best part about it all, Anchor is totally free. So, please go download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get your podcast journey started. I haven't always taken the stance of a learner throughout my life. I wasn't always eager to go to school growing up, nor was I always excited to go to my classes when I was in college. It hasn't been until recently that I've rediscovered my joy for learning. I've started to enjoy learning again, not only for the benefits that it brings me, but also the benefits it can bring other people. I try to read and absorb information across an array of topics and medias to try to provide insights that would be beneficial to others when it comes to their own lives. So naturally, I've begun to be more reflective in my years, too. But enough about me. Let me tell you about five lessons that I've learned through reading and reflecting over the years. The first lesson that I've learned is that perception isn't everything. It's the only thing. When i think of the term perception i think of the neurobiology aspects of how we experience our senses but i also think of how subjective that that psychological experience of our senses can be for example let's take two people they touch a hot stove with their right hand there are pain receptors in their brain that will send a signal to their right hands to alert them that they're touching a hot stove however if they were to rate how painful their experience was on a scale of one to ten there's a very high chance that their answers are different. Therefore, they are perceiving the same pain stimuli, in this case heat, at a much different level. This is an absolutely fascinating occurrence because it can be applied to just about any context. Another great example is food. There are so many different foods that people can eat, or in some cases can't eat, and yet we all experience them in such a different way. One person might say they like tomatoes, While another person might say, don't come near me with that weird fruit-vegetable hybrid. Even though the tomato activates the same taste receptors, each person's experience of eating a tomato uh, varies tremendously, hence why some people like them, and they maybe put them in their salads and they'll eat them during their day, and other people might just prefer to use them as a projectile. Having a better understanding of how other people perceive the world around them will help us understand them better as a person. A lot of our misunderstandings between people occur due to a lack of understanding of how the other person is perceiving the same situation. The more we can understand others, the more we can try to find common ground with them and have productive dialogue in our conversations and in our relationships. The second thing that I've learned is that the narrative you have with yourself drives what you do, think, and feel. We all have an internal dialogue with ourselves. A lot of people refer to this voice as their conscience or their gut feeling. This internal dialogue knows what our morals are, what we value, and when our morals and values are at a crossroads with what's happening in life. For example, we might have morals to be a healthy person. So therefore we value self-care. These two ideas can come to a crossroads when we are stressed out and are looking for a bit of stress relief in a quick fix. So to relieve that stress, we turn to something that comforts us and makes us feel good in the moment. Technically, it feels like we're taking care of ourselves in that moment by relieving our stress, but in the long run, that momentary stress relief is often not a healthy choice for our overall health, especially if we start making a habit out of indulging in impulsive pleasure. And it is our narrative that dictates what we do at the crossroads. Sometimes we have a back and forth dialogue before we make our final decision. We ask ourselves, Do I stick with my morals and say no to the impulse of pleasure? Or do I engage in the momentary release of stress? The stronger argument in that moment will win. This is why we convince ourselves we need a drink or a sweet treat, because it will relieve the stress the day brought us, even though we know we should do something more demanding, like exercise, meditation, or reflection. Not only do we convince ourselves of what to do, we also convince ourselves of what to think and feel with the personal narratives we have. When we fail, a lot of us might say something like, I am a failure, or I am not good at blank. Each time we say something like that to ourselves, we identify ourselves as a failure and someone who is incapable. This is a voice that gets repeated each time that we fail. And over time, we begin to identify as a failure. When our sense of self is damaged in that way, we damage our emotional well-being. We make it harder for ourselves to feel positive emotions and feel good about ourselves because most of our associations that we have in our mind, in our narrative, have brought negative worth to our psyche. So be aware of what you're saying to yourself about yourself. You just may be bringing yourself down more than necessary. The third life lesson that I've learned is that motivation wanes and is unreliable because our narrative changes. So this is actually very much connected to the previous idea I was just speaking about in order to stay motivated we need to have a motivated narrative but with all the interference life brings us on a daily basis it is a large challenge to stay motivated all the time life responsibilities pop-up responsibilities distractions and fatigue are all interferences that manipulate our motivation levels and when motivation levels get affected the narrative we have gets affected too When we tell ourselves we are tired or have too much to do, our motivation to do something productive plummets. We convince ourselves we don't need to exercise after work because the day was too tiring. We have too many chores to catch up on, or we still have extra work to do after we've punched out for the day. There are also two large distractions we all face, television and smartphones. Those distractions prevent us from keeping our motivation sharp. It is much easier to turn on a show or catch up on social media than it is to exercise or do something else that is mentally or physically taxing. So we tell ourselves to partake in what's convenient. We convince ourselves that that is what we need because it will satisfy the short-term need even though it's not helpful long-term. There are also events that pop up every so often that fill our calendars. We'll have a formed plan to exercise or work on a project for ourselves when all of a sudden, our family is coming in from out of town or our friends wanna get together for a dinner. Then we have a decision to make. A lot of us will cancel our personal plans in favor of the family gathering or the friend dinner because we tell ourselves that we'll be missing out if we don't go to the event. These types of occurrences happen a lot at work too. We'll have made plans to do something for ourselves after work, but our boss asks us to stay late to work on one more task or make one more phone call. Instead of politely refusing, we say yes because we think saying no makes us unreliable and that could move us down the pecking order. So be wary of the narrative you tell yourself. It will be a large influence on your level of motivation for better or worse. The fourth lesson that I've learned is you are not your thoughts, your thoughts are a decimal of you. This is an idea I've thought about for a long time now. And until recently, I've really haven't been thinking about how it affects our self-esteem, but that's something that I have been thinking about recently is how our thinking affects our self-esteem. And for reasons I'm still figuring out, our thought stream or stream of thoughts, train of thoughts, whatever you want to call it, about ourselves often has a negative tone. We say things like, I'm so stupid. Why did I fall for that? I can't believe I caved in again. Those are just a few phrases that a lot of us, myself included, have said to ourselves at one point or another. The challenge is that we repeat these phrases when we come into similar situations. And I say that it's a challenge because the more that we say these phrases about ourselves, the more that we identify ourselves as such and we set ourselves back. For example, let's take the phrase, I'm so stupid. We may have said that amidst a mental blunder, but each time we say that phrase, during a mental blunder, or after a mental blunder, the more that we solidify in our minds that we are stupid. Another common phrase we mutter or shout is, I can't do this. Statements like that paralyze us from taking any actions toward our goals. Their strength is omnipotent. That is why it's important to recognize we are not our thoughts, but rather a decimal of them. Because of their strength, they can literally take over your mind. Sure, we all make mistakes, but that doesn't make us a bad person. To begin differentiating mistakes from who we are, we have to separate action from person. Meaning, if we do something stupid, it is just that. We acted in a stupid way. That doesn't mean we are a stupid person. That's why there is the saying, hindsight is always 20 It isn't until the mistake has been made that we can reflect and learn about what we could have done differently in a situation. This is also why we should forgive ourselves for not knowing the best action to take at the time because we're often doing the best with the knowledge we have. Therefore, the things that we think about ourselves, whether they are positive or negative, are merely merely a small decimal point of our whole self. The actions we take are a better compass for determining who we really are. The fifth lesson that I've learned is patience is a virtue. Now, that life lesson may come as no surprise to some people and a lot of people have probably heard that in their lives, but it is one that is still worth mentioning. We live in a world where we pride ourselves on not only being the best, but also being fast. We want the results of our goals and dreams to happen overnight. We want to accomplish all of our daily tasks in a specified amount of time to allow us to stop working. We also live in a time where we need instant gratification to keep going. Just remember, nothing worth having ever comes easy, and the outcomes we want take time to achieve. When we are impatient in that process, we are not allowing ourselves to see our vision through to the end. Our impatience hinders our performance. We become too frustrated and agitated to perform at our best. This frustration and agitation pops up because things are not happening quick enough for us. The more we can be mindful of the big picture and remember why we're doing what we're doing, the more we can exercise our patience. We'll be able to get to where we want to go as a result. The pace may not be that of a freeway, but it will be a scenic route where we can take everything in. So just try to remember, if you're not where you want to be, you may have yet to reach that point in your life's drive. So thank you for tuning in, folks. I really appreciate you listening to five life lessons that I've learned through reading and reflecting. I really hope that some of these lessons resonate with you and that they help you in your daily life, because at the end of the day, that's the goal of what I'm doing here with this podcast and with the Warden's Wisdom platform. Now, the best way to support the podcast and the platform is to share it with other people that you think could benefit from, too. Really trying to expand the community is the best way that we can touch as many lives as possible. Not only that, but if, again, this really resonated with you and you were able to get something out of it, leaving us a positive review and perhaps a four or five star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, for that matter, would be another way to really best support us. And the best part about it, it costs zero cents to do any of that. So again, thank you for listening. I really appreciate your time today that you've taken out of your day to listen. Really looking forward to tuning in next time and sharing more insights with you.